Hello everyone, my name is Dr. Ngozi Onoha. I am a primary care internist geriatrician. Welcome to my podcast. I'm the founder of Health for Niger for health education and improving health literacy and health equity globally. This podcast is only for education and not medical advice. The audio is recorded live and unedited. If you've enjoyed the content, please share with your family and friends. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Hi guys and welcome to Health for Niger podcast. Today I have a very interesting guest. Her name is Abimbola Opaleye Uluwo. She is a breast cancer advocate and welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Thank Hello, you everybody. so much. <laughs> so Thank you so much for coming to the show. And I know you have a lot of information to share. So um, you can go ahead and uh, introduce yourself and uh, tell us about your journey with uh, breast cancer. And today we're actually going to be talking about hot flashes and hot flushes. So I'm going to hand over the mic to you, Bimbo. Okay. Okay. Just like uh, Ngozi introduced me, my name is Abimbola Opaleye Oluo, and I'm a psychotherapist by profession, and I'm a uh, single mother of uh, a daughter, and um, I, what a uh, breast cancer survivor, I said that, right? Yes. <laughs> and... <laughs> And when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, I was 46 years old. And when they did the genetic testing, it was found out that I have the BRCA2 um, gene, which which was very unusual. They said for people that are of African descent, because it's very prevalent with uh, people of Jewish descent and Far Eastern descent. Kind but eventually, yeah, through Dr. Ngozi and uh, other people, it depends on the people that came up for the for the study. So the population that came up for the study, because most times those of us that are Black, you know, African descent, we don't go for this study. So the population they came up with. So that is my uh, profile <laughs> for now. So, and the topic we are, that she has introduced was about monopause and how I ended up uh, have, getting into monopause. I actually have hot, hot flashes right now. Uh, you're having hot flashes. <laughs> so, so this is the thing. Let me, you know, like, um, let's see. World Menopause Day was just a few days ago, actually. And that's why I started thinking about talking about hot flashes. And um, I'm so glad that you agreed to come on because it can really be a very sensitive topic for women. Um, I know that um, there are so many women that have menopause, myself included. 
And it's just something that I think a lot of women are not prepared for. And when we were talking earlier, you were telling me that um, you went into menopause um, following your um, treatments for breast cancer. So, you know, typically women who, you know, menopause is defined as uh, cessation of menstrual periods for about uh, really 12 months. By the time a woman hasn't seen her menstrual period in 12 months, she's really um, defined as having menopause. That's the actual definition of menopause. Of course, you know, there's blood work that can be done, but the blood work is not really um, necessary if there hasn't been any uh, menstruation for 12 months, you know, as long as she's not pregnant, right? So, (laughs) (laughs) and so the age is from 45 to 55 typical age but in your situation um, you went into menopause because you received uh, chemotherapy um, and you had surgery correct I think you mentioned you had surgery so that is uh, that is uh, surgical menopause that's what it's called so surgical menopause is uh, you know that's I guess transition into menopause that was not caused by natural just the natural aging but was caused by surgery in your case, or, um, you know, sometimes people have chemo and then they go into menopause. And some people also, they have this early menopause. So early menopause is menopause before age 45. And that can happen in people who've had like family history of uh, autoimmune, uh, what they call um, ovarian failure. Which, which can be seen in people who have autoimmune conditions, even with diabetes and just family history. But um, so let's talk about your journey with, uh, yeah. with this menopause, how you got into menopause. And um, so, yes, for the, I think the benefit of the uh, listeners who are interested in knowing more about menopause and what it does to people, things like that. Uh, prior to uh, go uh, having chemo, uh, I, I I was diagnosed at the age of 46, and prior to that, my my menstruation was always on time, 28 days. I didn't have any slight um, chance of not having it until the treatment. So after the treatment, the the menstruation ceased but it wasn't in totality until they found out uh, you know I, I my genetic com- uh, uh, composition of uh, BRCA2 so that was when they had to take out the ovary so and taking down uh, out the ovary forced me into monopause so and uh, so and which include the odd flashes and the other the other things, you know, you are the doctor and some of the things that I was reading up on it, I said, oh, okay, I have that. So, <laughs> and, <laughs> so some other stuff, I'm going to leave that to you as the medical professional to tell us about that, like uh, low sex drive, you know, you know, all those other stuff. <laughs> so, but anyway, I, 
And when I started talking just now, I went into hot flash, <laughs> as I said. And this hot flash, if you are not, you have to know yourself in order to know that is hot flash. Because some some people, when they tell you, oh, I'm feeling this one, and it's actually hot flash. Because first, you feel, have that hot sensation from inside. And then it will come up, you know, sweating and all that. And this can happen anytime. And and what I have done, in you know, that helped me is drinking water. Right. I drink water because you feel almost as if you are thirsty. I need water. I need water. So that's the first thing I feel. And then the sensation will come and... I drink the water, but it can really be, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Quite <laughs> intense, right? So Yeah, it can be intense, especially at night. I don't know, you know, you as the medical professional, if, if uh, lying down makes it worse or not, I don't know. Like, it just happened that when you are lying down, ready to sleep that's when this thing will come on <laughs> yeah so. so i think so i have some thoughts about this uh i know in, in the in the in the u.s women call this um hot flashes hot yeah. flashes and in the uk women call it hot flushes <laughs> so <laughs> flushes and then in Nigeria, women call this internal heat. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I can really relate to this uh, complaint of internal heat. You know, it's very, uh, I think it's a very non-specific uh, symptom, complaint. And, but what it is, it is um, intense heat, just sudden intense heat. And it can last a few minutes and it goes away by itself some women have sweating and some women have fast uh, fast heart beating what we call palpitations mm-hmm. and some women have anxiety with it and these hot flashes so i think your situation the reason for taking the ovaries out is because um was it because there was a risk of you having ovarian cancer? Is yes, that why because, they took it out? Uh-huh. Yes, because they said uh, people with the uh, with the gene BRCA2, you know, you are more susceptible to ovarian cancer in addition to breast cancer. So that's why, you know, it's one of some precautions that that's you have to be agreeable to it to that so they was a suggestion yeah Mm -hmm. and then since at that time i said oh okay i don't intend to have any kids again at that time so you know one one thing that will help me you know that's that's a good thing. So yeah, I wouldn't mind doing that. Even though, and another thing that most women, especially when if you have to remove, when you when they tell you all these things, you you don't want to go through it because of what I'm uh, 
all this odd flights and the result of being forced into monopause. But, you know, it's your body, you have to weigh the options that is available to you. So, if you don't mind my asking, um, how was your breast cancer treated? Oh, okay. My breast cancer, because of my age at the time, I was 46. So, and then, uh, and then, for, for, they had to treat it aggressively because of my age. And eventually, when they found out of it, that uh, the genetic composition, so they had, I did um, chemo radiation and then the double mastectomy, even though it was on one side, we had to take out both breasts because of that, including the ovary. So it has to be done aggressively because okay. of my age. Yeah, so because of, that, yeah. because of this um, BRCA2, which predisposes you to um, breast cancer in both breasts. So even though you didn't have cancer in the other breast, because of this high um, genetic uh, abnormality, they had to just prophylactically take the other breast, um, remove the other breast. And then in addition, they gave you the option of removing both ovaries because um of the, because ovarian. Of the risk of yes ovarian cancer and i'm i'm just wondering um did they did they offer you the opportunity to to save your eggs before they did the uh removal of the ovaries i'm just asking just we're just discussing i, did, I didn't because at that age i was i already have my daughter and i wasn't intending to have any other kid so it wasn't a discussion if because i know of people that are younger they have they have that option offered to them to save their eggs and stuff like that but for me it wasn't really an option we didn't discuss it so with natural menopause, what happens is that estrogen levels just sort of fall over time. And that has to do with ovarian function. You know, as women get older, the ovaries don't work and they, you know, the ovaries push out the estrogens. So as women get older, those ovaries sort of start to shrivel off and they don't produce that estrogen. So this is what causes this uh, menopause. Um, in your situation, it was a surgical menopause because the ovaries were removed uh, as a prophylaxis because of the BRCA2 gene. And so what happens with menopause is apparently it's, it's a, a quite a very complex condition that people don't, the scientists don't even really understand it, but they, they know that the uh, hot flashes and the hot flushes and the internal heat is what they call vasomotor symptoms. So menopause-related vasomotor symptoms, VMS. And it has to do with um, inability to thermoregulate. And that occurs at the level of the brain because the body cannot thermoregulate. So when there's a hot flash, 
the whole idea of the sweating is just as a way to cool the body down and so this is the problem with this menopause the other issue with menopause is that this uh, fall in estrogen level that is um, that helps with sleep with mood it helps with memory and bone health we talked about sexual sexual dysfunction and also you know it uh, the hot flashes also affects cardiovascular disease. Um, so women who go through menopause, they have risk of uh, bone fractures and then they have yeah. risk of cardiovascular disease. They have risk of hypertension because that menopause really, it comes with, let's just say it comes with its own baggage and you know, it comes with um, increased fat around the abdomen. Uh, it comes with... Um, elevation of the bad cholesterol uh, it comes with insulin resistance that predisposes women to um, diabetes and uh, it's it also predisposes to um, blood pressure so blood pressure can go up and so it's it's really just um, a very sort of encompassing uh, condition it, it does it doesn't just affect one thing this uh, menopause affects so many things and then there's also the what they call the genital urinary syndrome of menopause which is a, a constellation of uh, urinary tract uh, and uh, vaginal uh, concerns so it could be dryness uh, pain with urination um, stress incontinence or overactive bladder always pain all the time or even um, recurrent urinary tract infection so um this menopause is sort of it's it really deserves i think we don't give it enough respect this menopause yeah <laughs> because actually, actually you're talking about all this you know it's reminding me of so many things because you know for me now i'm 61 but i started all these things that has to do with it started with me earlier than it would have because you know my monopause came on earlier than it should have so now they are che- checking my bone my heart my everything because of all this uh pre pre no nations so they are checking everything all the things that you said and the 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 worst part for me is, you know how um, you encourage people to take things with estrogen in it mm-hmm. because of the breast cancer that that was uh, uh, estrogen fed or how do you Bended. talk about it? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so now I'm scared of anything with estrogen in it. So even like soy, taking any soya, mm-hmm. I try to, they say soya helps, mm-hmm. but what I, I would take something with soya, but I will not take soya directly, right. intentionally. A whole bunch of stuff has soya in it. Soy. But mm-hmm. I, yeah, so I'm always very cognizant of anything with soy, because I don't want anything that we, elevate my uh, estrogen Mm -hmm. so that's another problem so and even if I didn't if by this 
age, if I didn't have it at that time, by this age, I would be in monopause normally. It's just that it started for me earlier Early, than yeah. normal people. Yeah. So, yeah, because the average uh, age for menopause is, let's say, 50. So between 45 and 55. So let's say around 50. And um, yes, I, you made a really good point here, you know, because because menopause is caused by low estrogen, really, the standard of treatment is replacement, hormone replacement. And um, but for you, because of your history of breast cancer, you, you can't take hormone replacement therapy. So that's out. And, you know, hormone replacement therapy, it, it has its own uh, issues. And I know it can only be given for three to five years. Yeah. And, um, you know, if a woman still has her uterus, then she has to take a progesterone so that, um, because that estrogen on its own, it can cause uh, thickening of the endometrial yeah. lining and cause uh, endometrial cancer. So it has its own problems. <laughs> and so, so you know those <laughs> hormones. <laughs> I know, and you know the thing with those uh, estrogen. Okay, fine. If uh, during while taking it, your bones are protected against osteoporosis. But the minute that, that therapy stopped, uh, the the benefit on bone is uh, is sort of uh, disappears. It disappears. So it's a very. I think it's a very complex condition and. So there are other medications that can be used. And we're just talking about this as just general education. We're not advising anything. It's just really just education. I'm just uh, so so that women can be aware that, you know, these are the options that they have. I know the estrogens, you know, they do reduce hot flashes by about 75%. And I recall in two, uh, 2002, there was this big article that they released in the papers it had to do with the women's health initiative where they looked at estrogen and the risk of heart disease and cancer and they mm. found that women who were taking these heavy doses of estrogens had high risk of um, cardiovascular That's disease and breast cancer and i remember that time it was all over the news it was yeah. front page everywhere and women were just stopping all their hormone replacement <laughs> therapies they were just throwing it out they're like so I know for the next few years, it was a taboo to even say you were going to prescribe hormone replacement for women. And I think we're still recovering from that uh, trial because it was very interesting. I mean, if you Google it and you see that it was just the one guy that was doing this research and he worked for pharmaceutical companies and he was saying how estrogen was good for women and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, so when they started looking at it, they found that estrogen was actually the, that high dose of estrogen that was used at that time. But since then now, they've reduced the dose of estrogen. In fact, they have a, a patch that uh, women can use. But of course, you know, if a woman has a uterus, she has to take uh, progesterone to prevent um, the uterine lining from getting thickened and getting um, endometrial cancer. So, all these things are discussions to have with, uh, you know, your health provider, really. You know, this is really just uh, an education forum. We just provide content for women just so they understand what's going on. 
uh, it's a very tough condition. I think, um, you know, women in menopause, they suffer with sleep problems. They can't sleep um, or they don't feel rested or they feel tired or they feel irritable or they have mood swings and husbands don't understand <laughs> what causes yeah. sudden mood change. But it's just, you know, it's hormonal and uh, it's what women have to deal with. And um, uh, For me, for me, really, it, um, not sleepless, when you talk about not sleep, it, when when I have people around, like, visit me, that's when they, you are so restless when you sleep because when the hot flash comes, you wait, no matter what, it will wake you up and you might sleep again. So for me, I I don't have problems sleeping, but I just don't have, I have a problem staying sleep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, 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 so, right. So when, and when you have to go to, to work the following day, that's, that's a big challenge because you are waking up so many times during the night and I was able to monitor that with my Fitbit because I didn't believe, when you tell people how often you wake up, nobody will believe you. But when my Fitbit tells me how restless I was during the night, but you know, it is what it is. You just, you know, do what you have to do. You know what it is. And, and another thing, when we talk about the estrogen, then knowing one's family history is very, very helpful because if you don't know your family history with regard to uh, cancer or any other illness or diseases, you don't know and then you are trying to use this estrogen and it's elevating your estrogen level more than normal. So knowing our family history is very important and it's so important to let, at least if the generation of our parents didn't tell us nothing or our grandparents, now it's our turn to make sure the next generation know what's going on with us instead of hiding things from, from our family, from our children of whatever type of illness or diseases we have. I, I think that's very important. Thank you for that. That's, that's a very valid point because uh, if there's ovarian cancer or breast cancer in the family and uh, this information is not shared and uh, that person decides they want to take uh, estrogen, not knowing that family history puts them more at risk. So I think, I, I mean, it's a really valid point, but I think nowadays people are becoming a little bit more open. It's not like during our time yeah. growing up. Yeah, you but you'd be surprised <laughs> at people that are still not talking. So, but it's, it's just, yeah, it's very important to let people know. So there are, you know, so when you, when you look at the management of this menopause, um, so we talked about using um, estrogen um, and it comes in different formulations, uh, tablets, patches. And so the non-hormonal treatments include uh, things like paroxetine, 
and it's FDA approved actually and apparently it improves sleep but the only thing is that if a woman is on tamoxifen she can't take paroxetine because there's some kind of drug-to-drug interaction with that mm. but then there are other uh, medications like uh, citalopram and venlafaxine is also very good reduces hot uh, flash uh, frequency and then medications like gabapentin um, and then there are some newer ones that just came out actually some they call them uh, neurokinin uh, and they they just uh, neurokinin beta agonists they're just new and being researched and then i guess you know we talk about lifestyle changes dietary changes I know a lot of people uh, will say, oh, go and take uh, these uh, over-the-counter herbs, <laughs> herbs and spices, but there's no clear benefits to any of them. I think from the research, the only thing that really helps is uh, hypnosis. <laughs> hypnosis. And um, exercise, yoga can just improve your mood and uh, just reduce the stress as uh, mindful uh, mindfulness stress reduction and uh, cognitive behavioral therapy so talking to a therapist but doesn't really do much for hot flashes drinking water i think helps so because for me, what i do is i make sure i have water with me all the time anybody that knows me know that so when it's trying to come on i drink water it, it usually helps and i have my my towel napkins <laughs> for the sweat <laughs> Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, 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 I've been fortunate. I'm not quite getting the sweat, but I'm definitely getting the hot flushes, hot flushes, uh, but not really the sweat. And that's the thing with this menopause. Every woman is different. Uh, not everybody has. I usually have it on my forehead. Mm-hmm. That's where I have it. So, you know, that's a challenge for, for me with having makeup on so you are dressed up all nice with makeup and then you know the odd flash comes one time and everything is all cleaned up (laughs) all right so after the podcast i'm going to tell you about makeup you can use and you're not going to sweat so i'm going to yes when we're done when we're done recording i'm going to tell you about makeup you can use and you're not going to and your makeup will still be on even after you sweat so yes i'm going to i'm going to tell you but i think you know staying healthy is very important because this menopause whether whether we like it or not it comes with a whole bunch of stuff and this is just that uh, widening abdominal girth. This is this um, fat deposition in the belly. You know, you, you see people who never had a big stomach before. All of a sudden, once they hit menopause, they just start spreading out. So I think and that's why it's really important to, to be healthy, to try to exercise. Because fine when the weight comes at least it it will be controlled it won't go out of hand because all those things add to comorbidities hypertension diabetes um you know lipid problems then you you talk about the issues with the medications then going on like multiple medications to treat the diabetes the blood pressure the cholesterol staying healthy is very important during this period and uh, staying cool, hydrating, wearing layers, 
know, wearing yeah. layers. <laughs> yes. Wearing layers, staying cool, and not getting stressed because uh, sometimes when women get stressed, they may get those hot flashes. More often. Yeah. More often, yes. And these hot flashes, they're, they're quite common because they occur in 80% of postmenopausal women. So they're quite common. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it is even if they take all these medications, you know, once they stop these medications, then the, the hot flashes could, could actually yeah, recur, right? Um, it's, it's a very interesting topic. Um, yeah. A very interesting topic. I think for the genital urinary syndrome of menopause, um, that is the those 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 syndromes that I, I talked to you about the stress incontinence, the overactive bladder, recurrent infections, uh, burning, uh, vaginal dryness. So, the, because the estrogens apparently it's it helps to protect it, it protects the bladder and it it does um, it does provide a favorable vaginal flora, so that reduces risk of infections. But once the estrogen is not there, then there's a risk of infection. And so women, they need to um, make sure that they do the pelvic floor exercises. They call it Kegels. And, you know, there are a ton of options. There are medications that they can take. But the the, uh, one thing that helps with the uh, genital urinary syndrome of menopause is actually um, the uh, vaginal estrogen, the vaginal estrogen cream. So that, you know, that helps. Um, so that that helps with with that with those with the dryness with the irritation the burning and so that's something to consider. Um, what else do we want to talk about? I think that you know, even though a lot of women have menopause, not not everybody um, seeks help for it. So, according to research, only twenty five percent of women seek help for menopause. Yeah, I, I I believe that <laughs> because, because I, I probably wouldn't seek help for it if if not because it's like when I talk to my GYN or my my oncologist because they know my history and when they're asking me I say I, I still can't sleep because of hot flash you know I'll just put it like that. You know? So th- those are the wo- the two people that monitor that for me because they know my history. So it's easy to, but some of my friends that I know that are going through it, and you know how it is in our society from Nigeria, where we come from, oh, they will say, oh, God forbid, <laughs> I reject it when they are talking about monopoly. But, you know, it's inevitable mm-hmm. that, you know, you have it. It's just the gravity of it is uh, different from uh, from person to person. So, yeah. And, and I think that with, um, with menopause, people don't just wake up overnight and then menopause it's sort of a gradual thing and you know before it hits them then they they think oh wow then they look and say oh then they then then it hits them because it's it's not something that happens in one day it's sort of a gradual uh process of change it's a, it's a gradual process of change and then you wake up one morning and I say oh wait a second I think I'm in menopause I've been having that 
<laughs> so, so it's what, think, what think, actually brings us to the point of knowing our body. We have to know your body, how you feel, how you know, touching your body, your every part of you to know how it is. So when there's a change or a difference, you will know. How do I feel when I wake up or you know stuff like that? Simple minor things. So if there's a change, you will know that oh no, I don't usually feel this way, that type of thing. But you know, it's very important to know yourself. Yeah, and also I think when women are starting with menopause, you know, they have this uh, hot flash, the heart rate goes up, and they they feel they don't feel too good. It's, I think also it's it's just a good idea to at least go for a checkup and make sure it's nothing else going on. At least get a simple blood test, even just a full blood count, check the hemoglobin, white cells, make sure it's nothing else that is being nothing. missed sometimes women will have these symptoms and it could be a sign of something more serious but then they ignore it because they just assume oh it's just menopause and i I think that's yeah and i think that's that could be another reason why sometimes women have um, serious illnesses but they don't present to the doctors on time because they just dismiss it as oh we're having hot flashes but i think there should be some baseline blood work just to make sure nothing else is going on to be honest before chucking it down to oh this is menopause so because we are lucky you know we having medical professionals like you in the u.s you know if you go in for your annual you know when they come to you, you say, oh, you need, I need to order you this, this, and this test. But some people in other parts of the world don't have that luxury to do that. So, but those of us here, we should take advantage of it. If you have medical insurance, make sure you see your uh, medical professional all the time. Because a lot of this, uh, this ailment, they mimic each other like so much, like because all the things they talk about, all flight that happens to you, it can be some other diseases, just like you said, and you will just pass it off as just hot flash. Hot flash. <laughs> yeah, that is. I mean, in in developed countries that have. Um, good health systems they have structure and the patients know that once a year at least they go in for a general checkup annual physical that is pretty much the standard for adults especially people who are say older than 35 for instance so that is a standard practice where people go in and they get a yearly checkup whether even if they don't, even if they feel good, they still go in and get an annual checkup. So most people will do that. Go in, they will get a blood test, check their cholesterol, uh, check the, you know, check for diabetes, especially if there's family history or there's obesity. So this is pretty much the standard in developed uh, countries. Now, in countries that are uh, developing or emerging 
economies, the, those resources are not available. So a lot of people that don't have health insurance and a lot of people don't have access to health care. They don't have access to doctors within uh, you know, their, their, their vicinity. So uh, those, those people go in when they're sick and there's nothing mm-hmm. like routine physical or preventative health visits so those are just uh, some little uh, points which i'm glad you brought up um i think i, I didn't mention with um, with the um, genital urinary syndrome of menopause with the dryness and irritation um there might be a lack of lubrication painful sex and uh, one of the things to use is our uh, lubricants uh, or vaginal moisturizers. These are over the counter. They can be bought over the counter and those are usually typically used. And if those don't work, then the vaginal uh, creams or pessaries or, or rings can be prescribed. These have to be prescribed by, usually prescribed by a gynecologist. Right. Um, but those are more helpful for, you know, just the... Um, um, vaginal symptoms, bladder vaginal symptoms, but they don't do much for the um, hot flashes. <laughs> so for the hot flashes, we talked about hormones and non-hormones, and we really, I think we gave this topic a lot of uh, uh, good, uh, uh, what should I say, we, we, we really discussed it at length. Yeah, we tried. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we really, I think we did a great job discussing so um is there anything else that um, we should let our listeners know especially our female listeners yeah the the only yeah the only thing just to reiterate the fact that as women you know we need to start taking care of ourselves and you know be be cognizant of how we feel don't don't wait until everything gets out of hand before we say something because it might look simple but might not be simple you know just things like uh, simple things like uh, breast exam you know just knowing because actually most of the people that get that are diagnosed with breast cancer it's most sometimes it's formed by their significant order people that do have do have significant order mm-hmm. and if you don't it's probably by you first before your physician find out so if you if you so we should know our body and see how it is yes, so. you, you did mention that so so but and also mammograms because um, the self-breast exam is not going to detect all the cancers, uh, all, yeah. all breast cancers. So mammogram is definitely um, something that women should think about having. Um, in, in the United States, mammograms start around age 40 and they might, depending on risk, it's either every year or every other year. So every two years and uh, from age 50, it's every year. So it all depends on risk and uh, risk. yeah it all depends on risk Fa- risk factors family history yeah because also all those factors helped when i found out about 
self exam mammogram and everything really helped me so and the fact that i really didn't want to wait when they say okay is inconclusive maybe we should wait i said no <laughs> let's do it now let's do the biopsy because mm-hmm. it wasn't conclusive so i i said you know i i don't want to wait so you have to So, to, to be an advocate for yourself exactly that's what i was just about to say you have to be an advocate for yourself that is exactly what i was just about to say <laughs> so i think we're going to round this up thank you so much for coming to this uh, podcast and talking to us about uh, your journey with breast cancer and then your journey with menopause and uh, hot flashes really <laughs> appreciate you thank you so much thank you so much dr ngozi ngozi <laughs> thanks so much i really appreciate you inviting me because it's like something that i'm passionate about yes i know i know this is your thing because the first time i met you maybe over a decade ago it was at <laughs> a program where you were openly talking about breast cancer and i just thought wow i think i came up to you and said um you know i hear the accent and i'm like where are you from and then you said nigeria and i said wow because it was so different i i'm used to you know the our clo- uh, you know closed the way we we don't we're not really that when it comes to personal things people don't really not really go into illnesses but the way you talk to the audience that day i just had to come up to you and just say something to you that day. i don't know if you remember this thank you, you. <laughs> <laughs> I because I remember that was the first time I met you. Yes. Of course I've been were invited to that uh, program but for you as a professional and me as just <laughs> just a volunteer and I was like doing show and tell I said okay whoever wants to look at my breast can come and look at it or touch it if they want. To. <laughs> and uh, I, i was really amazed and I, i do remember coming to talk to you and that's how we met so thank you so much bimbo thank, thank you, you so much thank you i really appreciate it have a great thank day thank you and okay. thanks also for all you do thank, thank you. you because okay. everybody know you in the community <laughs> thank you i do a lady in philadelphia yeah i know dr ngosi <laughs> thank you i appreciate you, you. Have a yeah. wonderful day. You too. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Bye.